Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome, friends, to another r slash pro revenge video. Today we've got a laxative story, but first a story from Bad Stage 8133. He cheated, not the first time either. After begging for chances after cheating, after chasing off any guy I tried to date after him, I stupidly gave him another chance. Well, not surprisingly, he did it again. Three years of this BS off and on, I could have destroyed his reputation or messaged the women letting him know he's a scumbag. Nah. I bought a highly concentrated fart spray that smells absolutely horrendous. Reviews say that you have to use gloves while spraying because if it gets on your hands, the smell will take days to remove, even after intense washing. I sprayed the inside of his car with it. He's been missing his passenger windows for years. I saturated it. Good luck picking up any more women while smelling like a cesspool. I hope it gets on his clothes too so he has to walk around to these clubs and bars stinking too. You see, I see this as a less serious and modern day version of the Scarlet Letter. Yeah, you know, that boring book your teacher made you read in middle school, where instead of having to go around wearing a red A because they committed adultery, they instead have to go around for an extended period of time just smelling like absolute death. Is that a fair punishment for cheaters? Do they deserve worse than that? Let me know what you guys think down in the comments. Our next story is from that one fallen angel. Wake me up because you're too lazy to learn to cook for yourself? Enjoy having the craps. Not my story, but my friend's. Her brother, 26-year-old male, is a lazy, entitled moron who never learned how to cook for himself. He makes every excuse to avoid learning from, oh, it's too hard, to, I always burn the eggs. My friend was trying to sleep one day, and he barges in her room asking her to make him something to eat. She's pissed off, so rather than say no, she takes some brownie mix, some magnesium citrate, and mixes it together to make a nice batch of very effective, fast-acting laxative brownies. 30 minutes later, he's pooping his brains out and can't figure out why. Honestly, I see this as like a fairly innocent prank, considering it's not going to be something that actually, you know, would cause any long-term damage or put them in the hospital, but apparently this post was brigaded in the comments about how Opie was a jerk here and went over the line and committed a crime, or, well, Opie's friend did at least. Is it really that serious? This next story is from Amagra78, batteries included? I'm the youngest of three sisters. Both of my sisters are 10 years plus older than me, so when I had my kids at 30, they were the age of not getting any kids themselves. They would and still do spoil my kids rotten, which brings me to December when my kid was three. Every Sunday in December, kid would get a present from aunt too. It's Sunday morning, 6am, kid's excited for the present and there's no way in heck I'll be able to keep kid in bed for another hour. Up we go and the kid opens the present. It's a karaoke microphone with melodies, volume enhancement, the whole nine yards, and batteries included. Crap. It's horrible and the kid absolutely loves it. It plays for about 30 seconds before I lose my will to live. 
kid is ecstatic and is singing from the top of their lungs to the very horrible melodies, full on volume. My life is heck at this point, and it's probably been only 5 minutes so far. I sit in my chair plotting the slow and very painful death of Aunt 2 when the evilest and petty of plans forms in my head. I only have to say a few words to the kid. Hey kid, wanna give Aunt 2 a call and put on a concert? Kid is on board and begging me to call Aunt 2 at 6.15 in the morning on a Sunday. And since Aunt 2 is very outgoing, she's most definitely hung over at this time. So I stall my very best and totally give in at 6.18. I call up Aunt 2 and tell her that the kid is so happy for the gift. Hand the phone to the cute three-year-old and Aunt 2 is now forced to endure a full 25-minute concert. While I was sitting in my chair with my coffee, smiling at Aunt 2's suffering. Somehow, all the gifts since have not included batteries. Best and most petty revenge ever. I'm not gonna lie though, if I was 3, 4, 5 years old, heck, even now, I'd probably take a karaoke thing and I would enjoy it. I'm a big fan of singing horribly to songs, although I prefer in the comfort of my own privacy. I'd enjoy a karaoke machine, but I wouldn't give a 25 minute concert to my aunt, I'll tell you that much. All I'm saying is I had fun plenty of nights with a Guitar Hero microphone, though anybody that might have been listening probably didn't. By the way, if you're enjoying these stories, make sure to hit those like and subscribe buttons down below so you never miss any of my daily videos. Our next story is from Lewis Luther 666 annoying an Audi driver. Not a biggie, but it certainly made me feel better. I was just on my way home, and an Audi was driving right up my butt. Usually I give some sort of what-the-freak hand signal, nothing obscene, and people back off. Not this lady, so I move over to the slower lane when I got the chance, and she sped off. I caught up and passed her at the traffic lights up ahead. Two lanes, both going the same direction. After the lights, the lane merge. I was now about five cars ahead in the lane next to her. At the merge, I let those five cars go through. Then I got back in front of her. We're now on a road that's a 30. Nobody does 30 down that road ever. I certainly did. Does anybody else just hate how easy it is to get totally beside yourself? Totally enraged at somebody else because they drive like a jerk, they make a mistake, or in some cases they're kind of endangering you like this lady driving right up on OP. God forbid something happens right in front of OP, they're getting rear-ended. That's just one of the downsides about driving. For a lot of people, it can be a really relaxing thing, but then a jerk comes along like this, and all of a sudden it's like you need some blood pressure medicine for the rest of the drive because you're fuming. Our next story is from Garden Goddess 83 passive-aggressive neighborly revenge. Long story, buckle in. We have a big stretch of lawn that's adjacent to our neighbor's lawn. Their dog often runs around on our property, and we've never minded. We have a dog also, but we keep our dog in our yard and out of theirs. We're an avid organic gardener, and we grow much of our own food and are very careful about what chemicals we use on our property. After having our crop decimated by Japanese beetles several years in a row, we did a bunch of research and last spring decided to spread milky spore on the lawn as a preventative. Research stated that it wouldn't be harmful to the environment or animals, and we decided to spread it while our neighbors were out of town, so their dog wouldn't run around on it. The next day, our neighbor comes marching into our yard about how we tried to kill their dog and how we're inconsiderate idiots with no regards for our neighbors and terrible people, etc. Apparently they came home early and their dog ran onto our lawn, and the neighbor claims he watched his dog eat a clump of grass that had milky spore on it and the dog got sick. 
He screamed for about 20 minutes before my husband had enough and told him to leave. The next day, we get a letter in the mail, typed in all caps, demanding that we give him 48 hours written notice before applying anything to our lawn, and that we must have his permission prior to doing so. We informed him that as the land and homeowners, we are not obligated to inform him about anything we do to our lawn, much less get his permission, but that we would give him a heads up out of courtesy and that he should make an effort to keep his dog on their side to avoid further issues. We didn't hear from him for a while, and then early last fall, I was up back planting a few trees on our property. He came out and told me that he didn't like the trees. I told him sorry to hear that, but it's my yard, and I do like the trees, so they're staying. All winter, every time he let his dog outside, we'd watch out the window as he directed his dog over to the trees I'd planted so he could pee on them. By summer, both trees were half dead where his dog had been peeing on them, and he told me that he and his wife were going to purchase and plant different trees for us as a replacement, and that they would be a better variety. I told him no, and instead, I dug the trees out and replanted them a few feet off the property line on our side, in a spot where they weren't visible to us, but where he has to see them directly out of his living room and kitchen windows with the dead sides facing his property. The sides facing our property are now lush and healthy, and the sides facing his property, the sides he encouraged his dog to pee on, are still dead and brown. It tickles me absolutely pink every time I walk past the trees, and I've named them my spite trees. I have no regrets, and I'm not sorry. Gosh, I do not envy anybody that has to get into a neighbor's war, especially over things like keeping dogs in a certain area, planting trees, and general policing of what you do with your land. This isn't an HOA, at least I hope not. If I want to sprinkle whatever legal substance I want on my land, I can do so. Our next story is from Ickle Bunnykins. Take up people's parking spaces, prepare for your car to be soaked. So where we live, parking is a nightmare. Two neighbors conspire to take up the three spaces, ensuring that our 75-year-old neighbor can rarely park outside our house. They have parking outside their garage, but they want both cars outside their house. I worked nights and came home the other morning, and it had started to rain, and for once his car was parked outside the garage, and anyone else, I'd have gotten a black bin liner and masked it up so no rain could get in. We had the thunderstorm from heck, sheer bliss after the hot weather and all weekend his BMW got soaked as no one could really see it but us and our neighbors who were away. I got home yesterday after a grueling 15-hour shift. I was shattered, and he was back from his long weekend away, and the inside of his car was sodden. He got right up in my face, I'm 5 feet 150 centimeters, and asked if I knew it was open. I smiled and said yes, and he lost it, called me every name he could think of. When he finished, I told him if he wasn't such a runt and took up two spaces so his girlfriend could park and stopping a 75-year-old, I'd have sealed his car on Friday, but you reap what you sow, and walked into my house, leaving him fuming. Four hours later, police knocked on the door, and he claimed I deliberately undid his window out of spite. I am shattered, groggy, and explained I'd done three back-to-back night shifts on little sleep and would they like to see the CCTV footage. I showed the footage of him driving into the space with the window open and walking away. He was arrested for making false allegations, I think. I was too tired to think straight, but I gave them the footage on the flash drive and then slept for 12 hours. 
I didn't work last night, yay, but he knocked on the door and my husband answered and he's sweetness and light, but he also has the don't freak with me face. And I let him deal with his whining where he claimed it was a misunderstanding and would I retract the charges. Hubs explained, I never pressed charges. I just proved my innocence and he needed to talk to the CPS or police. The guy called him a runt and walked away. Thank God they've sold and are moving soon. I'm sorry, but unless you're like really good friends with your neighbor, is any neighbor really going to be expected to rush out there with a bin liner or whatever and try to cover that car up? If you have just totally average neighbors and you leave your wonderful BMW parked outside with the windows down, would you expect a neighbor to come to your rescue and cover that window up? I don't think so. This next story is from Sharp Incident 6272, my mom's other wonderful neighbor. As I was writing about my mom selling her home to a Karen, it made me remember her other awful neighbor. The backstory, so my parents' log home and hobby farm, was along the shore of a private lake. One of only 16 left in our province, I believe. We were in Canada, and one of our neighbors was a nasty German fellow who owned property across the lake. He didn't have a residence there, just a shack for recreation. His property also included the lake bottom, so he believed that he owned the water above it as well. Years ago, he had an argument with the previous owner and strung a chain-link fence across the lake to section off his property. One call to a conservation officer and he was told he had five hours to remove it or it would be removed and he would be sent a bill. He removed it. The previous owner came to an understanding with him that allowed him to put a pump in the lake to collect water. Well, he changed his mind and so the previous owner put the pump on some small float so it was a few inches off the lake bottom. I don't know the construction side of that. So this lovely neighbor would stare at our property with binoculars to make sure we weren't on his lake bottom and stealing his water. We got really tired of him peeping, as he would look directly in my bedroom window, which didn't have curtains as it was high up in the loft on the side of the house. I would go outside and yell at him to stop staring, and he would reply that he was just checking to see if we were stealing his water. I noticed my daughter and nephew were jumping on the trampoline in their bathing suits, so I called the Royal Canadian Mounted Police and reported a strange man with binoculars staring at our kids in their bathing suits. The female officer who arrived rather quickly was shown a picture of him with the binoculars. She went across his property and told him if they ever got a call about him peeping again, he would be charged. He kept screaming he was watching the water, but she cut him off and said no more peeping. That, folks, was the last peep we heard out of him. I mean, water or not, this dude really had no excuse to be using those binoculars looking across the lake at anything. I hate to break it to them, but this isn't Nestle over there on the other side of that lake. They're not gonna suck up all the water, you don't have to worry. Our next story is from Jingwin AF, a mortgage, a bank account, and the petty revenge that took place over a decade. Back when I was four or five, my parents were living in a college town for four years, while my dad finished his postdoc work at an Ivy League. The town was heavily college-based, being home to not only an Ivy League but also a popular state school. He was being paid a mere pittance of what he could get in the private sector, but wanted to finish his research at a well-known university to help him get a better and higher level job when he was done. My mom had a great job in healthcare, so during the time they lived there, they purchased a house. My dad's research came to an end, and he started applying to jobs in the private sector, and secured one a few hours away. My parents originally were planning on renting, but were convinced 
and they both admitted it was their mistake to follow this advice by a realtor that the market was hot and they would have no problem selling the house. So instead of renting until it sold, they decided to put in an offer on a house in the new area before selling the original house. Within a few weeks of them buying the house in the new area, the governor of the state at the time froze all state assistance to universities. Details are decades old, but something along the lines of whatever he did locked universities down and they weren't hiring or expanding in any way, which immediately tanked the housing market in the original city and my parents were stuck with an unsellable house. My parents now were stuck paying two mortgages and it wasn't easy, nor really possible for them to do so. They somehow scraped by for two to three years. I don't remember these years as being lean because they did everything to hide it from us, but in hindsight they were lean and both my parents went without a lot to shield us from it. But eventually, despite them both working full time, it wasn't working. For months, my parents tried to negotiate with the bank in any way possible to avoid foreclosure on the first house and the bank repeatedly brushed them off and were unwilling to work out anything with them. Just told them to deal with it, wasn't the bank's problem. Finally, they were at the end of any possible solution and contacted the bank to start the process of foreclosure on the first house. At that, immediately the bank was like, what can we do to work with you to avoid this? Despite my parents trying for the better part of a year to work with them on a solution, that year caused them so much mental stress Both my parents are proud, hardworking people, so I can only imagine what it did to them mentally, and now the bank was willing to work with them? That pissed them off. It was around this time, a sort of miracle happened. My dad's company was relocating to the opposite coast, and wanted him to relocate and head a department. He straight up told them his financial situation, about to foreclose on a house and flat broke, and they came back with an offer he couldn't refuse. The company would take over the responsibility of both houses for my parents and pay full relocation expenses and I believe some amount of months rent to cover my mom finding a job as it was a relocation to a much higher cost of living area. Within a month or two of foreclosure negotiations, this happened and is why my family moved to what I consider my hometown of SoCal from a small town in the middle of nowhere on the east coast. The first time my dad brought up at dinner his company wanting to move him, my mom and him laughed like it was the most ridiculous thing ever. And next I know, a few weeks later, we were told after the school year ended, we were moving. He called it the offer he couldn't refuse, obviously. Now on to the petty revenge. He was still super pissed at the bank they used that also held the mortgage they had on the first house for how they treated them leading up to this. So when they were leaving the state, Instead of closing out their last account with them, he left $5 in a savings account and promptly forgot about it. The day he told me the story was about 10 years later, when the account was finally turned over to the state as unclaimed money, or something like that. After not updating the bank on a new address and receiving and ignoring all statements and we're going to close your account statements and letters the whole time. He figured the bank spent way more than $5 over the years sending statements and trying to get a hold of him and they freaking deserved it. So petty and so freaking glorious. I looked in the comments and the first comment said something like, sounds like insert bank name here. And I'm not going to lie, that bank name also popped up into my head. I'm not going to name names, but I agree with that sentiment. You got to love when banks don't want to help you. 
until they want to help you at the very last dying second and it's too late. Thanks for absolutely nothing. Enjoy all the money you made off me. This next story is from Doodle 64 Need me to bring my takeout food back for a refund? Not a problem. I decided to order dinner from a local restaurant on my way home from work. I have a 45 minute commute to work one way and the restaurant I stopped at is on the way home. But it's still 35 minutes to my home. I'm a vegetarian and I'm very careful when ordering takeout food to make sure there's no meat in it. I ordered a dish that has bacon in it as a standard ingredient. I asked the person taking my order over the phone three times to make sure there was no bacon, which they've done for me before with no issue. About an hour later, I finally get to enjoy my food. First bite, there's bacon. I call the restaurant back to let them know and ask for a refund. They said I had to bring the food back in and a receipt to get a refund because they don't handle any credit card transactions over the phone. I explained how far away I live and that I'd asked three times for no bacon and would just like a refund. They're refusing, but they're offering me a free entree the next time I come in. I hung up and stewed for a few minutes when this idea popped in my head. They never said I had to bring the food back tonight. So sometime later in the week, I'll stop back in my commute with the food and receipt. But I won't leave it in the fridge to make it extra nice for them. Yes, I realize I could have checked my food at the restaurant, but they've never given me reason to stop and look before. It was also extremely crowded, and there was no counter space for me to use. Quite frankly, they might have their hands tied as far as not being able to do any credit card chargebacks or refunds. But I'm gonna guess they can, they just don't want to because they're gonna pay a fee for it. Needless to say, this is the kind of thing that on your way back, you bring that old rotten food in, your receipt in, and you also ask to see a manager or leave a note for the manager, and basically tell them how you used to like the place, but that experience was so awful, especially as a vegetarian, you're not coming back again. They might not lose any sleep over losing somebody. But it also could be something that sticks in the back of that manager's mind where they told us three times we screwed up their order as a vegetarian and then we couldn't even refund them reasonably. Now we're out a returning customer and maybe we should do better. I think people will very quickly say that it's OP's fault and it's not justified to get that upset. But when you order something over the phone and you make it very, very clear three times, at what point does it become the restaurant's fault and not OP's fault for checking? This next story is from Solo 1961. Machinist quits, takes blueprints with him. The upcoming machinist strike at Boeing reminded me of a machinist, John, I worked with several years ago, back before CNC machines and computers were a thing in manufacturing. John was a master machinist. FYI, master machinists are unique individuals and are worth every penny they earn. The company John worked at was a startup. I was hired on about two years later. It manufactured specific automotive products. The two owners were educated in engineering, and one of them knew his way around a machine shop. But John was the go-to man for machining anything, and he did it well. During the first year, John was tasked with building jigs for the punch presses. He would receive a set of blueprints from these brilliant engineers, and he'd do the rest. His work was amazing. John would also find design flaws in the original plans, but he was skilled enough where he could fix the flaws and build functioning jigs. He also kept meticulous notes on the back of the blueprints, all paper back on those days, and kept the blueprints locked up in one of his massive toolboxes. He'd been working there for three years, and during that time had not received any pay raise. Non-union. John was not a social person, 
In fact, he had a shy, introverted personality. He never caused drama and preferred to work alone. This might have worked to his detriment. He went to the owners one day and said he'd like to buy a new house and needed a raise. He could or should have tooted his own horn a little bit and remind the owners how much he'd done for the company and how he deserved a raise. But alas, John was not the type to talk about himself. He was turned down on the spot. You know how it goes. You're being paid the industry standard. The company can't afford to give you a raise. John took the rejection quietly, walked out of the office to the plant floor, and motioned me over. John says, hey, get the forklift. I need you to help me load up my toolboxes. I say, um, okay. I helped him load it all up on the back of his truck without knowing what the freak was going on. Once loaded up, he gives a wave and drives away. Word traveled quick in the factory. Both owners walked out of the office, looked around, asked a few questions, and that was it. I'm sure they thought, he can be easily replaced. For those of you who are not familiar with this type of manufacturing, the purpose of these jigs was to be bolted into a huge piece of machinery called a punch press, whereupon they'd cut and form parts from rolls of steel. The jigs were large, they weighed a couple of hundred pounds each, and consisted of several parts and were unique. Each one was made by hand. During use, these jig parts would wear out and had to be replaced on occasion. When John worked there, he'd pull out the appropriate blueprint and create the part. It would only take him 30 minutes to an hour, then he'd heat treat the part, install it, and have the jig up and running before the shift was over. It did not take long before parts needed replacing. The owners had hired a new machinist, and he asked for the blueprints so he could make new parts. It was at this point the owners had a dark epiphany. John had all the blueprints with the notes, data, and modified specs. They called and called. John ignored them. They went to his house. They came back empty-handed. I heard it was not a pleasant exchange. John denied having the blueprints. They made all kinds of threats to John, but nothing worked. They threatened to sue. John was unmoved and was adamant he did not have the blueprints. I have no doubt there were many long discussions held between the two owners on what they should do. What they ultimately ended up doing was taking apart each jig, measuring each individual part with gauges and micrometers, and reconstructing blueprints for each jig. There were approximately 20 jigs. I don't know how many hours they spent doing this, but if their work was quantified, I have no doubt the cost would have run into the tens of thousands or more. And this doesn't count all the downtime and missed orders from the broken jigs. John won. Oh, and yeah, he had no problem getting another job. From the company side, I kind of get why they did what they did, you know, you want to try to keep the cost down and the profits up, but they have to be able to identify their all-star clientele. They called the bluff on somebody who was basically carrying the show, their superstar worker. They deserved every bit of what they got. Our next story is from Sir Randy Butternubs. Karen goes grocery shopping and demands new bread. As a teenager, I worked as a checker and bagger for a large local grocery store chain. One busy Sunday, I was bagging at a register, and a regular Karen came through the line. She had a large order, and items started piling up quickly while I bagged. As I'm working, Karen is carefully watching my every move with a scowl on her face. Her loaf of bread comes down, followed by a small bunch of bananas. The bananas barely touch the bread, which activates full Karen mode. Oh my god, you smushed my bread! I say, oh, I'm so sorry, ma'am, although I don't see any damage. No, right there, it's ruined! 
you need to go back and get me a new loaf of bread right now. I happily reply, okay, sure thing, and walk away with the bread, leaving the rest of her order piling up. I slowly circled the store a few times, stopping to chit-chat with some co-workers. About 10 minutes later, I walk back up to the front of the store without swapping out her bread for a new loaf. When I get back to the front, I see Karen standing behind the register with her things bagged up and waiting for me. Here you go, ma'am, I said with a smile as I handed her the exact same loaf of bread. That's much better, she muttered as she took the bread and put it in her basket. Had she not been so rude, or if the bread had actually been damaged, I would have swapped it out in about 30 seconds. The rest of my day was great, although I felt bad for the checker, who had to bag the remainder of her order because of course she couldn't touch it herself. God, I love the fact that OP walked around with the exact same loaf and dropped off the same one. There is nothing more satisfying than exposing somebody, even if it's only you that knows, by giving them the exact same thing and watching them go, oh yeah, that's way better. And our final story of the day is from Daxi, saving electricity. The manager turned the light off on me whilst I was in the storeroom. When I asked her why, she said she was saving electricity. Next day, when I was putting my stuff away in the staff room, I noticed she turned on the convector heater in the corner of the room where she sits for lunch. She's always complaining that she's cold and sets the heater up in the morning so it's already nice and warm for her. I went over and turned it off. Come lunchtime, she comes storming onto the shop floor. Who's turned off my heater? I replied, I did. And when she asked me why, I smiled at her and said, I'm only saving electricity. She went off in a huff and refused to eat her lunch for another half an hour until her spot was warmed up. It made the rest of the staff 30 minutes late for their lunch, but it was worth it. This is a great story and I love that satisfaction of flicking off something they so desperately loved, but I am sat here in the summer heat reading this story about getting warmed up and it's making me want to sweat. I'm getting a placebo hot flash right now. I need to save some of the electricity that's firing off in my brain right now, making me trick myself into feeling hotter than I really am. feel like the human torch right now. But with that being said, that's all the time we have for today. Now, if you want to hear another revenge story that was way crazier than any of the ones in this video, click on that left video. Or if you missed my latest video, check out the very hot video on the right. That said, I'll see you all next time with some more stories. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.